Hey, welcome back to the Thundercast. I am your host, Connor Sanders, joined by my co-host, Kelton Jacobson. Kelton, it's rivalry week. It is rivalry week. Weber State week for men's and women's yes. basketball, and Dixie State for the women's volleyball team. Got a lot of rivalries going on. It's oh, exciting it's week. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Um, one of two rivalry weeks left in the big sky for SUU before they transition into the WAC. So uh, this is this is these are really important games. I feel like these are really important games coming up. Yeah. So SU men's basketball um, will be away to start this week. Uh, as this is one of the few home and home series. As, as you know, the Big Sky Conference transitioned to uh, two games in one venue um, for this season instead of having the teams uh, travel uh, one game at an opponent's arena and one game home. Um, throughout the conference play, they just play two games at one team's arena. Mm-hmm. But Weber State gets uh, the chance to do one game in Weber's arena and one game at the America First Event Center. So a unique opportunity this season for the players to, to do a home-and-home. Home. Yes. Um, still having to play the same team twice in a row, though, so it's it's not going to be too different from the right. rest of the games this season. Right, and and they're close enough in, in time as well that you kind of wonder if Fatigue is going to be an issue. The only other time that this is going to happen this season, Connor, is against NAU. So yes. um, this is this is really really cool to see. Um, so yeah, let's let's. Well, I want to talk about Weaver State. I really do, but we got to talk about what happened last week with men's. Yeah. So the men's basketball team coming off of a huge week in Shaney against Eastern Washington University, the preseason favorites, mm-hmm. led by just heart wrenching guard Jacob Davison, who just never seems to miss a three-pointer in a clutch Holy situation. Holy smokes. Like, every time at Eastern Washington went down six points, he just, like, automatically hits a three-pointer. Like, he just, like, turns the sliders up to 100. Yeah. Makes the shot and then turns them back down. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. you do in 2K. Um, <laughs> so, they lost the first leg um, to Eastern Washington, 75-63, to 63 in, I would describe as a, a poor shooting night, but also just kind of settling too much. I think mm-hmm. Eastern Washington was kind of daring SU to beat them from deep, and SU was willing to, you know, give it a shot and, and right. see if they could they could make some jumpers, but only shot um, 34% from the field and 21% from three in that game. So talk about that game, Kelton. What were your yeah. uh, observations? Uh, you're, you're, you're right. They they gave SU the long ball. They basically, anytime John Knight III had the ball, they sagged off they crowded the paint like like below the free throw line yeah they were they were just completely it's like the lane. it was like defense on Giannis like yeah he, they they dared John to make a shot and and it, it to to our sugar and John you know didn't really take those shots and and probably that's a good thing um it's also a red flag when your best three-point shooter on the year Mason Fawcett who was shooting 50 percent before uh Thursday's game shoots zero for seven on the night yeah so that that was a huge factor as well yeah it's not like eastern washington was just giving su easy looks from three there if they gave open shots they were not easy looks amazing not knocking those down but i mean they bounce back so well that it almost doesn't even like i don't even yeah. remember that thursday game because yeah. of how fun saturday's game was you you said it uh you and i were texting a little bit after the game and it was probably arguably you said the the one of the best halves you've seen su men's basketball I, play yeah. I think that that is the best. That second half where they they went into the half, um, both teams kind of battling back and forth, and then SU just had to, to keep on climbing mm-hmm. back. They set their season high um, with 99 points in that game. They won 99 to 94. It's the most points um, I think scored on the road for SU since like 1991. 
Uh, Bryson Lester was telling me that, and uh, that's the first win there since 1992. So they yeah. win 99-94 um, in the second game. Uh, it was. I feel like it, the level of competition was very similar. It seemed like SU was also like in that first game, but they just couldn't get over the hump. But in the second game, the big difference to me was obviously the shooting percentage improved, but it improved because SU started to really be aggressive and look for their looks that they yeah. wanted instead of just taking what Eastern was offering. Yeah, I, I agree. I think a, a big part of it, you know, uh, Eastern Washington, they came out swinging like, like they do, um, and SU got down quickly. Uh, but the bench play of Anand Moody in that first half was huge yeah. for the T-Birds. He came in and he hit, what, five or six in a row? Yeah. And uh, that really, it got not only got SU back into the game, but it also, wh- wh- what I found was really interesting about that was Anand Moody didn't attempt a three-pointer. Yeah, scored he, 14 points, all two-pointers. And, and he got into the lane. He, he got the shots that he wanted to get. And so I think that almost showed SU's offense, like, hey, we can get the looks that we want to get. You know, we, we might have to run off a couple more picks or whatever, but we can still get into the lane. We can still make those those inside buckets, and that really kind of propelled them in that second half. Yeah, absolutely. He scored, I think, 14 points there in the first half. Yeah. Didn't have as big a role in the second half. I only think only played like six minutes. But yeah. those minutes he played in the first half to to keep Tev um, and John Knight the third fresh in the second half were really huge. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I think in that second half um, – Eastern Washington big man Tanner Groves. He was he was having a field day. He had a field day on Thursday, and yes. he's just such such a big body down low. But uh, Coach Simon in that second half of, of Saturday's game said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Mays on him, and I'm just gonna see what happens." So you sub in Harrison Butler for Yvonne Madunich. You put Mays over uh, to guard the opposing team's biggest player, and you know what? Mays did a really really nice job in that he second really half on on Jacob Davison. Yeah. Or, excuse me, not Jacob Davis and uh, Tanner Groves. Yes. Um, SU, in that game, they shot a bunch of free throws. I think they shot 34 three free throws, made 30 of them. Mm-hmm. Which, That's huge. Yeah. Coming into the, that game, they were shooting something like 68% on the season, and mm-hmm. then they were clutch from the line. Um, also, Eastern Washington hit 19 three-pointers in that game. They, yeah. They almost set a program record for threes. Mm-hmm. And SU still won uh, and yeah. still had the game in control in the last few minutes, I, I think that really speaks volumes. It's not like, you know, SU came out and beat Eastern Washington on a bad night. Mm-hmm. They beat Eastern Washington at their absolute best. Yeah, they were 94 points. Threes. Yeah, exactly, 94 points. Um, but the key to me was SU had all five of Eastern Washington's starters in foul trouble yeah, by the end of the game. Yeah, that was huge. Kim Aiken Jr. played most of the second half with four fouls. Groves played most of the second half with four fouls after he picked up that mm-hmm. technical in the first half. Um, everybody was, in, and Davison was was in foul trouble towards the end there too. SU just so aggressive attacking the rim, and when they get into that mindset where right. they're just single minded, get into the lane, get fouled, they're really hard to stop. Yeah, I mean, and it wasn't like SU was countering threes with threes. They only hit five that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is fourteen times three is? I'm not going to try to do that math. I think it's forty two. But I mean, that's that's a huge swing. So yeah, you need those points from. Um, from the from the free throw line and uh it was really it was really interesting connor at the at the end of that last game um i believe eastern washington was only down three or four with about 30 ish seconds left and because all of their guys were in foul trouble uh they all had four fouls no one wanted to foul suu and yeah. so suu ran 20 seconds off the clock before someone 
someone fouled. Yeah, Magnuson was the only one that didn't have yeah. four fouls. He had to go finally track him down. So that was, that was pretty funny. But yeah, that was but that was huge. Huge uh, win. It reminded me a lot of BYU's again or uh, the game that SU played against BYU last year, where SU was like 0 for 10 from the three point line, but mm-hmm. really had a chance of winning that game because of how they were able to get into the lane, especially John Knight the third. Um, Tevion Jones had 27 points in that game. John Knight the third had 21 against Eastern Washington. Uh, just a really comprehensive performance. We've been talking about SUU kind of establishing themselves at the top of the league and really kind of, they, you know, they sent the statement out at the start of the season by beating Montana. And now it's, it's to me, it's unequivocal. It's it's Montana State and it's SUU at the top of this conference. Yeah. And it's, it's up to somebody else to try and knock those two teams off. And that's now SUU playing kind of with a target on their back in, right. in, a, in a brand new situation where you're not kind of the team sneaking up or the team that, it might be the dark horse. Like you're just one of the good teams in the conference now. No, unequivocally. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. There's no question. And, and Montana State is is probably the next biggest threat in in my book. But Weber State's no one to sleep on either. Yes. So uh, and then we take them on this week. It is rivalry week. Yes. So <laughs> cross out all the W's from yes. you know, any posters or anything you have. The letter W does not exist this week. I don't. I don't even know what I was saying. I don't, I don't even know what consonant i was referring to i recently. refuse to wear the color purple <laughs> i love the color purple i look great in purple <laughs> <laughs> one time I, I got some flack from a coach for wearing maroon because it looked too close to purple mm. in a post game interview one time i guess that was a mistake it was, it was clearly maroon coach come on yeah back off anyway <laughs> thursday they had two weaver state um in ogden uh weaver state is six and three on the season one and one in conference play uh, they won one and lost one at Portland State. Um, won the first game in a blowout. The second game was a lot closer. Mm-hmm. Portland State able just to, to sneak ahead at the end. Isaiah Brown leads uh, the Wildcats with 17.8 points per game. Um, Brown is a transfer from Northwestern who started his career at GCU. Uh, backwards. Started at Northwestern, and then he was just at GCU. Yes. Sorry about that. Uh, a lot of purple in that man's life. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Maybe that's a rule. <laughs> I was I was gonna make a joke about like like gang affiliation, but I don't. Are there any purple gangs? Like he just dressed purple hard. Um, three for three. Uh, so Brown, a very talented offensive player, um, mm-hmm. leads his second on the team in assists as well. Also, nineteen turnovers on the season and ten steals. Uh, will be tough to stop for SU, I'm sure. Uh, Zaheer Porter, also a transfer, a junior college transfer from New York Tech, averaging 13.6 points per game. Mm-hmm. And then Cody Carlson, who transferred from Concordia St. Paul, which is that, I think that's Division Two. I would assume so. Either, Either way. That or NAIA. He's scoring more than 10 points a game, uh, big, strong body. And those are the three kind of, that cuts kind of their three-headed monster on offense. And then they also have... Seku Sissoko Jawara, who is an LMU transfer, mm-hmm. who's also starting and has played and averaging about eight points a game. Um, and then just a couple other kind of rotation filling guys that, that will have a different role. I think the only name that the SU fans will recognize from last season is Michael Kozak, mm-hmm. who's a fellow Croatian big man uh, that just loves to give Ivan Medunic fits. Um, I wonder <laughs> if they'd be they're talking to each other in their, their native tongue out there on the floor at all. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, but. Kozak is just that like big guy that gets under your skin because he is always taking charges and yeah. just being a nuisance, setting really hard pass. screens and yeah, uh, great player to have on your team. But just so annoying to play against. But I mean, Weber's kind of copped SU's model in terms of recruiting, mm-hmm. where 
you kind of want to get a couple of good freshmen every season, but really focus your front um, on the in the transfer world. Uh, adding a bunch of transfer students has has really buoyed their program. Uh, this is the the thing I want to point out about this this battle. These are the two highest scoring teams in the conference. That might be slightly buoyed by Weber State scoring 124 points against Yellowstone Christian mm-hmm. last week. Um, but the two highest scoring teams in the conference, also the two teams with the best free throw rates in the conference. So yeah. expect a lot of free throws in this game. Uh, what will you be looking for, Kelton? Um, you know, Weber State is is interesting, and, and I don't want to run into any brick walls here because I, I talked so down on Eastern Washington last week <laughs> um, that I don't want to talk myself into Old a hole takes exposed. Yeah, Finally. yeah. Um, I, I Whenever you beat a team by 80 points, the the statistics can get inflated. So I am worried about that, um, that maybe Weber State, the, the statistics are making me believe they're a better team than they are. But with that said, I mean, the record does speak for itself uh, at set six and three this year. Um, they're a good shooting team. Yeah. They, they're one of the best in the conference. Uh, you can't foul them because they'll hit their free throws. Um, they're shooting, I believe, 40% as a team from three-point land uh, this season, uh, at least in Big Sky. So that's a really good shooting team. And, and SU's defense, on the other hand, they give up um, the most, or the, rather, SU's defense allows for the best three-point uh, shooting at, for an opponent. Um, so that's something that I, I'm looking for uh, specifically in this week's matchup yep. is, is the three-point shooting. Yeah, I think that'll prove key. And also, I think SU has kind of found their like best five. Yeah. And it's pretty, oh, yeah. yeah. It's pretty obvious at this point that John Knight, Dre Marine, Mesa Fawcett, Harrison Butler, and Tavion Jones are your five. Mm-hmm. In my, I think that's what that was the lineup that was really effective against Eastern Washington. Harrison Butler only had like six points in the second game, but he was like plus 20. Yeah. Because he just makes all the little plays and makes the extra pass and is just he sometimes it looks like he's kind of moving around like a little bit slowly on defense but he's like always in a good spot to help and right and, and to rotate over so I, I think that's huge that SU knows who that is and and on certain nights Madunich might be um preferred in that kind of like last five minute role where you're just mm-hmm. trying to get a basket on every single possession um but we were also plays with a pretty fast tempo and SU likes to get out and run Last season, when S- when teams let SU run, they just killed them. Yeah. Like Portland State tried to l- let SU get out and run. They tried to press and stuff. And SU scored like a million points, I swear, in those mm-hmm. two games. So they'll be interesting to watch. Both teams, I'm sure, will be very competitive. I don't think that they really have uh, – I don't think they really like each other. I don't think there's really any – it's not like – rivalries aren't like they used to be where they used to be like, you know, you've played each other for three years, and now in your senior year you have all these like – memories of all these hard-fought right. battles you have. Yeah. It's not really like that because it's just like a lot of transfer students, but the animosity I'm sure still exists. Oh, sure, sure. I So I think it's going to be a more of a defensive... Uh, if if SU comes in and gets the victories, I think it's going to happen on the defensive end. Um, in addition to the shooting numbers, Weaver State is an excellent passing team. They lead the big sky in assists. So um, they like to move the ball. They shoot well. Uh, SU's defense does need to step up. Their defensive five against Eastern Washington in, in Saturday's game with the five that you just mentioned was very, very good. Um, and I think it's just because a lot of them, they're they are smaller, they're quicker, they're able to jump the passing lanes, they're able to uh, just stay in front of their man. And I think that's a huge uh, advantage, especially when you have a team like Weber who likes to 
pass the ball as much as they do. So uh, I, I look for that this week. Um, it's going to be interesting because they have a home-and-home. Home. It's something that SU really hasn't experienced yet uh, this season. I don't know that Weber State has yet either where you travel one and mm-hmm. then come home and play the other. Uh, another difference, and I don't know if this does make a difference, but I'll have to ask the players, is uh, Weber State's not allowing fans where SU is, so that could play into SU's advantage yep. there as well. So a lot of interesting factors. I agree with what you say about rivalries, though, and I, I really hope that when SUU joins the WAC, that that rivalry with Dixie State will kind of change things again, but I don't want to talk too much about the WAC. We talked enough <laughs> about the WAC already, so. Yes, make sure to listen to that, that the Thundercast from last week. Um, let's move over to women's basketball yes. now. Also had an important weekend. Um, lost their games that they had scheduled against Eastern Washington due to COVID-19 protocols within the Eastern Washington program, and then we're able to reschedule against uh, University of Texas Rio Grande Valley, who were going to take on Dixie State. Dixie State had to cancel. So, Dixie they, State's women's, Connor, I don't know if we mentioned this, but they've canceled all events for the rest of the season. Yes. Dixie State women's sports. So, so that's that's too bad for Dixie all State. All women's sports because they play volleyball against SU on Friday. So, just women's basketball then? I think just women's basketball. Just women's basketball. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> um, so, yeah, women's basketball is done for the season for Dixie State. So the the game where they scored only forty points against SCU is their their swan song. <laughs> I guess season. I guess that's their kicker and and hey I mean I guess to SCU's advantage if uh, if any teams were scheduled to play Dixie State and just anyone on cancels on SUU then hey like hey we're we're just thirty minutes up the road <laughs> and so. we'll we'll be in your conference too <laughs> so um, so SCU won both games the first game on uh, Sunday was much closer eighty to seventy three. Um, win for SUU. Liz Graves scored 33 points and had 12 rebounds in that game. Oof. She just wants to like break her Oof. season high of 34 like every time she gets the ball it seems I like. I think it's going to happen this week. We'll get to it but I think it's going to happen yeah. this week. Uh, De La Bellina scored 14 points uh, and had a really nice performance mm-hmm. and then the second leg uh, was looked like a completely different game. So Dari Franson didn't play in the first game and then she only played like the first quarter basically because she was in foul trouble she scored the first six points of the game had 11 points in the first quarter and then just sat the rest of the game yeah and then SU won by 30 points yeah Uh, she's such an impact player to SU's offensive system because her role presence is just astounding and and Tracy Sanders offensive system is pick and roll after pick and roll after pick and roll so when you have threats like like Dari Franzen and Liz Graves on the roll side every time uh, SU's offense is hard to stop, so that really gets them kick-started. Um, UT uh, RGV has to pay more attention to the roll man, so SUU has a little bit more open looks on the three-point side of the ball, which they did very well this past weekend, yeah. or on Sunday and Monday. Um, they shot very, very well from the three-point line. In fact, probably the best they have all season. So. Yeah, the second shooting, or the second night, the shooting performance in that game was just unreal. They were like 68% from the field, 50% from three, and, mm-hmm. and like 88% from the free-throw line. Just a really comprehensive performance. Like, the fourth quarter, I don't think any of the starters played at all. No. They, they just sent out the the all the freshmen at the end of the bench, and just let everybody go out and get experience. Graves had 18-7 and seven in the second game. Trita Doherty had 11 points and 7 assists. Uh, I think Matt Eaton had 12, 11 or 12 points. And then Kinsley Barrington, the freshman, also had a career high yeah. of 12. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing we're taking away from this game, though, is that uh, there must have been some kind of mix-up with the starting lineup. Coach Sanders told us post-game that there was, and Matt Eaton did not start in the game. 
came off the bench, mm-hmm. had a pretty solid performance. As De La, Bal- De La Bellina was in her place in the starting lineup. Um, but that was reportedly some kind of error. Yeah. But it also like worked really, really well. It really did. Okay, so so Maddie Eaton has started all ga- every game for SUU thus far this season. Uh-huh. Um, I think she's probably... Her and Rita Satini are the only ones that have, actually. Am I missing one? Anyways, um, so she came out on Sunday. She played 36 minutes, and she went one for 11. Yeah. Okay, she scored six points. She got a layup and then uh, four free throws. She got five boards, but she went one for 11. She's She's been struggling this year. It's yes. not a secret. You can look at the stat sheets. I'm sorry, Maddie. She's been struggling this season. Um, so you kind of wonder, like... If anything is going to happen, how long are you going to allow a struggling Maddie Eaton out there on the floor? Um, but then, you know, you put her on the bench, whether it be by mistake or not, you bring her off the bench, I should say, and she's just kind of turned into a microwave yeah. of sorts, and she got into the lane. She got she easy super looks. Aggressive. Super aggressive. Uh, she was making shots that, frankly, on Sunday, she just clanked all, all night, so... Really, just an interesting, interesting move here, and I'm, I'm wondering if that's going to change things for the starting lineup. One thing's for certain, though, Connor. At least in my book, Dela Bolina's got to start. She's got to be in the starting lineup. She's got to start. She's so good. Yeah, she's been awesome. She's knocking down three pointers like mm-hmm. at a pretty unreal rate. I think she made four or five in the in the game on Sunday. Yeah, just improving every single game and so good defensively like just seems to to never really make a, a bad decision there's one little play where i think where she got confused on a switch and gave amara graham a three-pointer but other than that it was like a really good performance in mm-hmm. the second game for her as well uh the question is though is do you bring maddie eaton off the bench or maybe do you decrease rita satini's role a little bit and let, yeah uh they cook a little bit more with the starting lineup see that's think? that's tricky because you you bring maddie off the bench and and she if she has a game like she had on Monday, she is that microwave. But when you start Dela, don't forget you're also going to start Rita and Sharita Darty. That's three point guards. Yeah. Um. So kind of makes your rotation staggering a little weird. A little bit. I mean, you always got to have one of them on the floor to handle the ball. So. But it's not like Rita Satini is playing that much anyway. Like she starts and she does play. I think some like 25, 26 minutes a game, but she's not like a thirty-six minute a game player right. anyway. Right. You bring her on. You bring her on the floor when the other team's pressing, and th- I think that's where you bring her on the floor and you let her and Sharita break that press. Because because you don't necessarily want Liz handling the ball. You definitely don't want Dari handling the ball. Um, and sorry, Maddie. Again, you do lead SUU in turnovers this season, so you don't necessarily want her handling the ball. And, so, and to be fair, she played very well on or on Monday, mm-hmm. but she also had a bunch of turnovers yeah. in that game too. Yeah. So it's just a, just a really interesting dynamic. And and another point to make too is uh, Sharita's, or excuse me, not Sharita, uh, Rita Satini is also struggling on the offensive end. Um, so again, when you have a freshman in, in De La Bellina who's just really really nice and she's got one of the best if not the best uh, assist to turnover ratios by the way in the big sky and she's actually leading seu in assists right now um so you you got a player you got a player and and whether it's it's for for maddie off the bench or um getting maddie off the bench or uh rita satini off the bench i don't know i'm not coach sanders but in my opinion it's got to be one of those two yeah, uh, Dela and Sharita already just see passes that the rest of the team mm-hmm. doesn't see. 
they find little gaps and things and I was really impressed with the way both of them played this weekend it'll be interesting to see what coach Sanders does I think we're both in the camp of you know maybe ride this out a little bit yeah it was an accidental thing because the, the but starting sheet mixed up but it worked like you know this is kind of serendipitous yeah it's, except the fates yeah anyway do you have one, do you have something else to say about that? Real uh, Connor, I wanted to ask you a question. What did you what did you think of of Kinsley Barrington these last couple of games? Wow, um, she was awesome in the in the game on Monday. Uh, really interesting pick and pop option. She just seems like she's automatic from like sixteen to twenty yeah. feet. Yeah, just does not miss. Really good pick and pop option. Knows where to be on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little undersized though. Yeah, she, she needs to extend her range to the three point line to to really make an impact in my opinion. Yeah. I mean her number her rebounding numbers aren't aren't, you know, the Dari Fransons or, or Liz Graves of the world, but if she stays here all four years, she will be one of the best players in the conference. If you're scoring twelve points as a freshman, like you're you're gonna be a, a long term starter. I mean she's Chris Paul from the mid range. Yeah. I, I think she shot I don't I don't have the stats in front of me, but if she shot ten mid range shots in the last two games, I think she missed two of them. So yeah. she she did probably, she did probably both rimmed out because she's I'm telling you like just automatic yeah it's 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 really really interesting to see really really fun to see um, I thought she did well and I just wanted to ask because uh, she was one of the players that stood out for me the last yeah couple kind of games an interesting dynamic is you have you know her and Piper Thornberry both post players that are freshmen that mm-hmm. I think have both really showed some sparks um, and some flashes against the best teams though who who will get more of the time right. speaking of. This week, SU women's basketball also takes on Weber State. They are home on Thursday, away on Saturday. Weber is 0-7 and 0-4 on the season, but they've played really good teams in the Big Sky. They uh, lost both games against Idaho State, who I think are pretty much running away with the conference yeah, at this point. Eastern Washington um, also among the top. And then Eastern Wa- or Weber has Idaho next week, who SU lost to um, a week ago. So this is kind of like maybe... Is, or Weber's best chance at getting a win? Are you are you suggesting a trap game, Connor? I don't. I think I don't think this is a trap game. I think this is like the opposite of a trap game. Like Weber's going to throw everything, everything they have at at SUU this week, especially because as we've been kind of alluding to, former Wildcat Liz Graves gets to return home to play against her former team, um, and I think that there's going to be a little bit of a it's gonna be a little bit of spice in this game. It's gonna be it's gonna be a little spicier. A, a little bit. I don't know if we mentioned it, Connor, uh, and if we haven't, I apologize. Liz Graves named, yeah, Big Sky Player of the Week again for the second time this season. Uh, I think I think Becca Cardenas is the only player that's ever done that before. For SU to be multiple yeah. time Conference Player of the Week. Just she's she's excellent, and uh, I don't know Liz's feelings uh, for as to why she left Weber State. Um, but if there are any hard feelings, Liz is going to make <laughs> make those feelings right. If she played with a chip on her shoulder against BYU, you got to think. I imagine she'll bring a similar energy against Weber. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so could you see a couple thirty pieces from Liz Graves, as I was alluding to earlier in the podcast? I think you can because uh, other than Dela Bolina, Liz Graves is probably the best three point shooter on this team. Yeah. She's she hasn't missed lately either from long she, range. She made all I think I want to say she was like four or five or, or six or seven or something in the in the game on Monday. Yeah, just she's really long too. I, I think that's underrated. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to watch that game. I think Weber will throw everything they have at them, but 
if SU plays to their strengths and doesn't get flustered, yeah. if, if Weaver tries to slow the game down and be really physical and stuff and try and get in SU's head, if SU can just kind of lift themselves above that, go on their 9-0 run, whenever that comes, they should they should really be in control. I think they should go 2-0 and in these oh, games. Oh, yeah. And by the way, for the men's team as well, Ken Palm favors uh, the men's team in both games. So okay. I think we should expect a 4-0 performance from the from the basketball team yes yeah. we were remind me again the the schedule for for these two teams connor because it is kind of tricky with a home and home so the women's team is home hosting weaver on thursday on thursday the men's team is in weaver on thursday and then they switch and then the switch yeah so okay. men will be here on saturday and the women will be there uh on saturday okay so, there you go last couple things to touch on before we close the pod um the women's gymnastics team yes had their first home meet of the season against mm-hmm. the air force academy mm-hmm. secured their first victory uh congratulations to them uh carly mclean was named gymnast of the week in the mrgc mm-hmm. and hannah nip was also named floor performer of the week for yes. their performance walk me through a couple yeah so i had the opportunity to go and and watch uh first of all the the gym uh, the afec was was packed for for covid purposes it was packed as much as it can be yeah so it was really really awesome energy there it was kind of refreshing socially distanced but packed yeah yeah so you have for anyone who's curious and they're thinking about going to an event here in the future you have pods of seats that um your group can buy up to six so if you come in a group you buy you can buy up to six and you can sit in a pod and then you're socially distanced away from the next pod and you go all around the AFEC, essentially, um, and sitting like that. Of course, you know, masks required the entire time. If you do not wear a mask, they will ask you once, and if you refuse, they will ask you to leave, and, and you will be removed. And actually, Connor, you won't be allowed back for yeah. uh, for an SU sporting event. But that aside, um, it was really, really awesome to be there. Carly McLean is brilliant yeah. in the gym. She is brilliant. She performed in, in every event um, and just... It was outstanding. She had high scores um, in, I believe, beam, uh, in the beam. And then also Hannah Nip did very, very well. She had the last routine of the night, um, and it was her floor routine, and she scored a, an event high of 9.9. And she just owned it. And it was awesome to see. Um, there was one little sad story there where uh, Mason Bentley, who she um, – was named bar specialist of the week um, a couple weeks ago at Best of Utah. She fumbled a little bit, only scored a nine nine point one. So I expect her to rebound next meet. But just excellent performance all around. Yeah, uh, great job for the gymnastics team. They, I mean, it seems like Carla McLean's been here for forever because it's, she's been like that. Like, like this girl's a phenom. She's going to be so good, and, and she's definitely lived up to the billing. Mm-hmm. Um, they travel. This Friday to Utah State University, number twenty-four ranked program in the country right yes. now, um, in Logan, and uh, they they lost first. to Utah State at, yeah. at best of Utah and and by a quarter of a point actually. Yeah, so right. maybe not even, no, not even a quarter point zero two five. What is that? A quarter of a quarter? Like it's yeah. just so so they have they might have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder going into Logan on Saturday. Absolutely, we also want to give Friday to Friday. Yes. Um, the women's volleyball team also starts this week. We mentioned that briefly against Dixie State. Um, I love volleyball. I am very excited to watch the <laughs> volleyball team. Um, they got an interesting group coming back. They got uh, they'll have to replace the the performances by Shannon Webb, who was awesome last season. Mm-hmm. But 
I think this is really a, a group that Coach Pete Hoyer is really excited about, and I'm really excited to see them tip off their season. And, you know, like we were saying, if you're an SCU sports fan, basically Thursday through Sunday from now until the end of the semester, yeah. you're going to have an event every yep. single day to watch. Yep. So come out and watch. We need to space these things out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we could we could just move the stagger the basketball games, and we could literally have seven days a week of SCU sports. Yeah, you could. You could. Maybe you should make a suggestion to Big Sky or something. <laughs> it's like, I'll just have to watch them on delay or something, record There you go, there you go. Save it for the Monday of the next week. Yeah, no, but uh, I'm, I'm excited, Connor. It'll be a great week. Um, rivalry week's always fun, and it's kind of a double-sided rivalry week with Dixie State in, in volleyball as well as uh, basketball at Weber State. Um, and then don't forget, you know, SUU gym against uh, Utah, Utah State. State in Logan. So. It's so fun having... Dixie be a D1 program because we can play them in everything mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And it's so convenient. <laughs> Just yeah. 45 minutes away. Oh, yeah. Um, it's going to be fantastic. Make sure you're out watching. And we will be back um, for more Thundercats next week. Let's do it. Be Weaver. Let's go. Bye. Bye.